RehabMyPatient.com has had a massive update. 1,000 strength and conditioning exercises have been added to the library for you to prescribe to your patients. Pictures, videos, fully customizable text, deliverable by email and WhatsApp. What is not to love? Go to RehabMyPatient.com forward slash PhysioMatters for a three-month free trial on us. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Chewing It Over. It's Jim here from the team, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Belinda Beck. So, Belinda, I just wanted to start with the first question, really, which is, what is osteoporosis? Well, the definition has changed over the years, but it is essentially a condition of low bone mass and strength that increases your risk of fracture. So it has become very much more a fracture definition rather than specific to bone mass because we know that you can fracture, uh, have a minimal trauma fracture, even when your bone mass isn't very, very low. That's uh, really interesting because I think um, a lot of people who are listening would definitely say something like, oh, your Z score on a DEXA scan is below a certain number. So we're moving away from that more towards this fracture risk. So that would include things like uh, of, like risk of falling would, uh, and stuff like that. Is that fair? Yeah. It, uh, sorry, I should probably have uh, elaborated a little. The, the definition... Um, the sort of clinical and diagnostic definitions are slightly different. So if somebody mm-hmm. appears in hospital with a minimal trauma fracture and they've never had a DEXA scan, you know, if they've just sort of tripped down a stair, landed heavily and crushed a, a vertebrae, you know, that instantly tells you that, that that's minimal trauma, so that qualifies. Um, but if you are wanting to screen for osteoporosis and you have a DEXA scan, then the the definition is a T score of minus 2.5. That's 2.5 standard deviations from what they call the young normal. And that is somebody who's the same uh, sex and race as you, mm-hmm. age 20. So you're okay. not being compared to the Z score is actually comparing to your own age, but osteoporosis is defined based on uh, what you your, the average for you would have been age 20, and this is just sort of to give an indication of what you may have lost across life because we know that if you have a T-score of minus 2.5, you're at you know, greatly increased risk of fracture. But what I was alluding to before is if you think of all the BMDs of everybody with, uh, say, over the age of 50, it's a bell curve. Mm-hmm. And so there's some with very high bone mass and some with very low those with very low osteoporosis on a DEXA scan because they're minus 2.5 and very high risk of fracture. But the vast majority of people actually fall in that osteopenic zone, which is minus 1 to minus 2.5. And just by virtue of the fact that there are many, many more people in that zone, more people actually fracture with osteopenia. So it's a statistical sort of a... Um, a a situation mm. and that's why i say it's really important if you do have osteopenia you are to know that you are still at risk of these minimal trauma fractures you don't have to get to it's not a magic number it's more for um, doctors to know when they should start prescribing the biomedications 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's brilliant. That's, uh, thanks for that clarification. It's, yeah. Uh, really interesting. Um, so t- tell us a little bit about you. I mean, I, I've known about your work for a while. I'm not certain whether a lot of people do, or uh, my belief is not enough people do, but um, there's that. But tell us a bit about you and how you've ended up at, at where you're at at the moment. Well, I guess I'm a bonehead through and through. I've, uh, I love bone tissue. I think I find it eternally fascinating. It's been what I have studied my whole career. I started really mainly studying uh, bone stress injuries because I was a runner myself and, and constantly uh, suffered from this. And so my, um, my investigation in trying to figure out why they happened led me down the path of uh, looking at mechanical loading of bone uh, I began my career doing animal research and then moved into clinical trials in my postdoc and then uh, pretty much have, have worked in the, in the field trying to figure out what is the absolute best exercise intervention to um, prevent people from having these osteoporotic fractures. And for years and years and years, of course, we struggled with this um, this catch-22 of people knowing that the bone responds to high strain the most. If low strains, it doesn't even get out of bed in the morning. But if um, if you put a very high strain on somebody with osteoporosis, then, you, you know, we all thought, well, you can't do that because you'll risk fracture. But the reality was nobody had actually tested it, and so we didn't know. And so that's where the last 10 years or maybe 8 to 10 years of my research career have been focused on actually testing this heavy lifting and impact in this demographic and finding out whether we can grow bone and whether it's safe. Mm. And it, it does seem counterintuitive, doesn't it? You mentioned about uh, uh, before, if you have a, um, a, a an increase in load, a, a low trauma fracture, for example, then um, you, you it then to, it seems counterintuitive to actually apply quite a heavy load but as we've seen from your your research or your, your team's research specifically, that doesn't happen even in, I mean, I'd be interested to know if you were surprised at how few adverse outcomes you had. But from my opinion, I was definitely surprised that you didn't get almost any at all. Yeah, I uh, I can't imagine there were too many people that weren't surprised. And mm. I have, and it's because we were all too scared to do it for years because we didn't want to hurt anybody and, you know, including me. Um, so I'd have to say we were actually watching through our fingers when we were doing the lift more trial because we, you know, we were so uh, keen to not hurt anybody. But I had three physiotherapists on the trial. I'm not a physiotherapist myself. I'm an exercise science scientist and physiologist. Um, and the trick was we, although we did recruit people with low to very low bone mass, it was specifically for people with, you know, at risk of, of fracture because we wanted to make sure that this is what we were testing. Um, we watched them like hawks. So the, the trick was supervision with and, a, you know, really making sure their technique was perfect and that the progressions were appropriate. So, uh, in the end, it turned out we thought we were going to need, you know, a month worth of introducing and teaching and so on. After a while, we started thinking this is ridiculous. They learn these quite quickly and we can start loading them up. Uh, you don't go to, from zero to 100 overnight, but certainly 
we were able to load much more quickly and much more heavy than I was expecting. And when the first scans came back in that Liftmore trial, it was one of those I remember where I was moments. It was a, I can't believe this person has just grown 9% of bone. That just doesn't happen with exercise. Um, you know, of course, not everybody grows that much, but that was our very first participant in the Liftmore trial. And we were just over the moon. The rest is sort of history. Yeah. I think the, that combination of safety and effectiveness was or is just massively surprising. I suppose from your point of view, following on from the Liftmore trial, and you have to forgive me, I don't remember exactly when it was published. I'm sure you you remember where you were. I'm sure you remember exactly when it was. Do you, do you feel like it's changing the needle with people loading more or, you know, obviously one of the reasons I wanted to get you on something like this is I want to try and push that needle further. I um, teach um, in rheumatology and that encompasses some osteoporosis and I, and people, in my opinion, certainly physios still seem way too scared of loading their patients. But do you, have you seen any change um, moving forwards? I have. It's, uh, I use the expression, it's like cold molasses. Uh, it, it just is very, very slow process um, because uh, given that most uh, people are managed or most people are diagnosed and managed with osteoporosis through their, their GPs, and, and GPs are risk averse, um, you know, understandably, they don't get very much exercise training. In fact, they get almost none uh, in medical school because they've got so many other things that they have to learn. Um, so I guess they, they're they also aware that for years they've been trying to get their patients to do exercise for diabetes and heart disease and so on and adherence <laughs> uptake is, is reasonably low. So they're quite negative about it as even though they know that it probably does work, they are a little bit hesitant to... Um, prescribe it over the medications because they think, well, at least they'll take the medications. Um, turns out <laughs> people don't like the medications either. Uh, so it's a little bit of a, um, you know, a race to the bottom, if you like, in terms of getting people to do something. I have been, since we actually developed the program into a product, which is called Onero, and, and it has been, I've been sort of desperately trying to distribute it through um, physios and exercise physiologists, certainly the profile has increased and, and it snowballed somewhat. Um, so physios will see another physio practice delivering a neuro and they'll go, what, are you hurting anybody? No, getting these incredible results. And then, and it sort of spreads that way. I, I don't market this product per se. It, it just, you know, it, it grows organically, but I do go to conferences and I talk to people like you um, just trying to reduce the fear, uh, mm. if you like, because exercise is really so safe in most situations. And it's not like I'm saying do this program on your own at the gym. It's do this program supervised so you're safe. And uh, and really, I think that the risk is very low. Yeah, I think from my point of view as well, there's a lot of public messaging, not necessarily from um the right turn of phrase reputable sources but a lot of um a lot of messaging around if you've got low bone density not flexing at the spine for example is is probably is probably mm. the classic one um to try and you know prevent anterior vertebra wedging um and i think that seems problematic for me to to get over 
Um, because as it, that's what I find is sort of counterintuitive, isn't it? Where if you theorize, you, you, you've got low bone density in the vertebrae, and then you load the, load the front portion fleck by flexion, that it, it stands to reason that it could wedge um, anteriorly. Um, but yeah. as you guys have shown, that's not really the case. Do you, what do you think about us trying to, how do we counter those sort of narratives, do you think? Well, to be clear, I don't ad advocate for deep forward flexion because I still believe that that is the case. Um, so our exercises, we very much emphasise a neutral spine. So um, even if we bend forward, it, you know, you want that that spine posture to not be um, uh, not a flexion moment, it's an extension moment, if any, anything. So that's part of the, the educational process. Um, and, yeah, I, as I say, it's really all about education and sort of working through that. It, you, you're quite right when you say some very reputable um, groups do still trot out very conservative messages, and I, I don't want to malign anybody in particular here, but just this month a uh, very high-profile um, group just posted an extremely conservative recommendation for exercise for osteoporosis, and it's just terribly disappointing. Mm. Um, not that those exercises are going to cause harm most likely. They're, you know, because anything is better than just sitting on your butt. But what it does is it, gives people the impression that that is enough. And so it displaces this opportunity to do effective exercise. And, and that's the most frustrating thing, giving people the impression that going for a walk or doing some, uh, some wall push-ups is going to be enough for osteoporosis. It's just not. In fact, uh, telling a very frail person to go for a walk actually increases their risk of fracture because if they're very doddery, they're going to fall. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, to be to clarify, I'm not suggesting I I get my patients to do Jefferson curls into deep flexion. I was <laughs> I was more more talking about unloaded bending. Um yeah. and um and, and of course if you do a squat and deadlift and stuff, you get a little bit of flexion at the spine. You can't really avoid it, can you? But um yeah, I wasn't saying we should do Jefferson curls, but I think like you say, I've definitely seen even recently, you know, um avoiding any forward flexion. Um, which is is clearly problematic functionally as much as anything else. Well, exactly. Think how many times you have to sort of uh, lean forward in in your daily life. You're sort of reaching forward to pick your cup of tea up off mm. the table. But um, but the fact of the matter is, when we do teach these exercises, we're always sort of educating people that this isn't just what you do when you're here at the clinic. This is what you do when you're picking up that bag of potting mix at the local store. You know, don't bend down and lift this huge, heavy thing with a big bent spine. You know, bend your knees, keep your back straight, and try and uh, if, if you're going, if you, you know, if you've got a T score of minus three, you shouldn't be lifting that thing anyway. <laughs> but it, it is a different matter doing heavy lifting outside of you know a, a really controlled, supervised exercise. But um, safe spine position during loading is 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 just a mantra, really. Yeah, and that's obviously individualized, right? So for some people, they'll be able to lift larger loads than other people because they've uh, either been through your program or they've just exposed themselves to that kind of load. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, for sure. But if somebody comes and they can already, uh, you know, do a, say, a 100 kilo deadlift, we're talking about men mm. here, it's very rare to have a, a woman be able to lift that heavy. If they can already do that, I'd be willing to bet that their bones are pretty good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're, we're starting, when we introduce the program, we're talking broomsticks, you know, yeah, where it's sure. it's pretty light. and But there are people who, who come to us t- with terrible bones because, uh, for all manner of reasons, maybe they um, were dramatically uh, ca- calorie restricting when they were teenagers, and so they developed a very uh, sort of a very poor skeleton when they were young, or maybe they've been on high doses of steroids throughout their life for respiratory conditions or, or other inflammatory conditions, and that does terrible things to your bone. So even though they've been very active. Um, you know, they've, they've come to us with low bone mass. Now, those people probably have pretty good muscle strength mm. and quite often they have great um, body awareness. So there's not a huge amount of teaching we have to do with them. On the other hand, you can have Grandma Mabel who comes in at age 80 and she's never lifted anything heavier than, you know, her kettle, which, mind you, when it's full can be quite heavy, um, and but has absolutely no idea of where her body is in space. Plus, she's had that ageing effect, that neuromuscular sort of decrement over life. So we're actually teaching her to move before we're even teaching her to lift. And uh, and that process can be really um, life-changing for her in terms of her mobility around her house. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I suppose to, to, to get on to the next section of, of what I wanted to ask really would be if if there are physios or other healthcare professionals listening who are thinking, oh, actually, maybe I do underload my osteoporosis patients. Uh, what would be your sort of first tips to them to start loading people a little bit heavier? Uh, well, learn about what you're doing first. Don't don't just go <laughs> going guns blazing and going, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Um we did publish uh, the Lift More program, and you know we're scientists. We publish what we do, uh, so it is in the public domain. But the reason why we developed it into a program and and licensed it was so that people knew how to to uh, apply it uh, safely and with high fidelity. Because if you just take a couple of the exercises and modify it for individuals that might be perfectly fine. It might be appropriate for that person, but then it's no longer evidence-based. So, um, you know, I, I think becoming ex, uh, educated about it is definitely the first step. And although, you know, I don't want this to be a big ad or marketing campaign for for our neuro, um, it, it, that's really obviously where I think people should be going. Yeah, while we're there, where would they find more information about that? Oh, best thing is just type in a Nero Academy into the into um, Google, and it'll it'll pop up. It's got a bunch of information about that on there, and and or they're welcome to just email me and um, uh, look at look at the the bone clinic, which is where we deliver it. It's my research facility. It's it is a clinic, but it's primarily a research facility, um, and got more information there. Brilliant. Brilliant. So you are, uh, I'm delighted to say you are speaking for us at Therapy Live on, and I think the title is Lift More and Beyond. Is that, I think that's what I'm, that's, I'm right in remembering. Um, that's right. Yeah, really excited about that. 24th of June. Um, I will link to 
uh the resources you've just mentioned though nero in in the show notes of this as well and um and um pop your uh social media handles on there as well if that's okay with you yeah sure Perfect. Brilliant. Um, so thank you very much for spending the last 20 minutes or so with me talking about osteoporosis, really looking forward to therapy live and learning more about osteoporosis as well. It's absolutely brilliant. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Here at Physio Matters, we think physio matters. Join as a premium member now and access over 500 videos, get free tickets to shows and upgrades included. Access at home, work or on a unicycle to take your knowledge to the moon. physio more content than you can fit into a gym.